0: are listening to the Moody Girl podcast with me, Emily Faser. Throughout this series, we're going to be opening the minds of experts and delving into the world of alternative healing methods. Before we start the episode today, I wanted to ask all of you listeners a question. Did you know that a lot of people are living with lower than recommended magnesium levels? I didn't know this either and had never explored incorporating magnesium into my daily life until I started having skin issues. I now use Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray when I get out of the shower in the morning and spray onto my feet before I go to bed. I found that when I had psoriasis and hormonal breakouts on my face or body, I would spray it on and at first it really stung. But this was a sign from my body that my cellular magnesium levels were low. The more I got the magnesium into my system daily, the less it stung. It made sense. If you're feeling like you could benefit from having magnesium in your life, I would strongly recommend looking into using Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray. Link to purchase is in the bio. Now, let's get to the episode. This week, I'm speaking to Zoe Mallett, a certified coach and self-help expert whose approach is based on real talk for real people. As always, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't already, please do like, share, subscribe, and even give a five-star review if you fancy it. It really does help, and I'd be super appreciative. Anyways, another aspect of Zoe's work is she helps businesses to create healthy work cultures, which is a topic I'm personally super interested in, and I'm so excited to delve further into this on today's show. Let's get to it. Hi Zoe, welcome to the Moody Girl podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: You're welcome, thanks for having me on. This is actually my first, I know we're in like end of March, this is my first um, podcast
0: uh, appearance of the year. Yay, 2023, big thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So I came across your account because I was just like, First of all I think your aesthetic is really really cool. I think the way that you approach like quite serious topics um yeah. you've kind of got a really amazing way of portraying that online. Um and so that was kind of how I discovered you um and was instantly like really love what you're doing. Um yeah I mean kind of you portray yourself as like really confident and you know like you've got your shit in order um <laughs> you know has it always been like that for you like how did you get into coaching um that's
1: very sweet that it appears that i look like i've got my shit together um but i think like most people um everybody has got something going on like even coaches i think there is actually like an illusion that coaches and therapists and self-help experts like have a upper hand on sorting their shit out in their life and although like I can definitely I see a difference in what I go through nowadays versus before I actually trained to be a coach and a psychologist I definitely see a difference in how I handle situations and how I can like self-coach myself and um, work through certain things that come up but my emotions still get super heightened Hmm. shit still happens to me day in day out Hmm. um and sometimes I at at the start of it especially I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do and I feel a bit erratic um so I think that happens to everybody um but uh it is super hard isn't it especially at the pressures of like social media right because it always looks like there's lots of glossy things going on um but I, yeah, definitely like since I've done coaching, I'm able to manage situations for myself and like my friends and my family um with a lot more ease. Um and I got into coaching actually, like before I was trained to be a coach, I was working in the creative events industry. So I was working with fashion, beauty, and lifestyle clients. Um, and I started doing that because I really love being around people. I'm an extrovert. Um I get a lot of energy from being around groups from being out at events I like I need to be like quite stimulated I also do need some a couple of nights a week where I'm just not talking to anybody and I'm just sitting in front of the tv um but mainly I get a lot of my energy from being around people uh and I got went into events because I thought it looked cool I thought it looked really fun Um, anybody that works in events knows that events are not glamorous they are not fun Um, it's a lot of hard work Um, so I was working in that for a few years and then I just wasn't feeling like as fulfilled as I thought I could be I wanted to connect with people on a bit of a deeper level Uh, and at the time when I was just questioning what I was doing I was going out with my ex boyfriend and he had a coach through work so i was really fascinated by the fact that he would come out of these sessions and he'd be like super pumped and he'd be like i know what i'm doing i'm gonna uh i'm working on this this week and then this next week and i saw this like steady growth in him and that really fascinated me um so i just i basically like started researching about coaching following some coaches online um went to go get a coach myself. I couldn't really see anybody at the time because this is about 5 years ago. Um it's you know a lot more popular now. Um but back then I couldn't find a coach that kind of looked like me, sounded like me and I felt related relatable to. And although you don't need that necessarily uh, a co- like a, a good coach is a good coach. It does really help when the person you're sat and being quite intimate with has had feels some they feel like a sense of they kind of get you I think that's really important so I kind of saw a bit of a gap in the market I went to some training days really love the training days and I thought and I really was really good at it um and I thought if there aren't people that like me who have access to coaches then that's something that I want to create for people Mm -hmm. um so my journey started from there, really, which was, yeah, about five years ago. Um, and I did some coaching training, which was uh, a year long training, uh, which was face to face. And I quit my events job because managing the events world and then also managing coaching training uh, was a lot. So I got a job as an office manager and then that role then developed over the next three years into head of culture so then I was um, mm. heading up the culture department for a global team of um, 140 wow. um, and we had offices in yeah UK, Paris, um, Hong Kong um, and uh, dotted around the US mainly in New York and then I was basically developing that role as I was developing my coaching business and I was really transparent with that with that company and I said you know eventually I want to go and do, run my own business." Um, and they were so supportive, which is actually the power of just being really honest with like your managers about your long-term plan. Mm. And they were like, look, we know we've only got you for maybe two, three more years max. Let's just like get the most out of you as we can. Um, you can use us to work on what you want to work on outside of this company. Um, which actually then made me work like ten times hard like ten times harder. I mean that's um, so refreshing to hear
0: that like that you were yeah. able to be that honest with your employer. It sounds incredible. like what a great relationship.
1: yeah, exactly. and like that was really refreshing, and that helped me develop actually a huge part of my business of how it is today. Um I actually messaged the CEO recently I, and my old boss, um and I was like, just wanted to drop in and say, like, I'm really grateful for the opportunity and the freedom you gave me because now I've got some um retained steady clients that focus on that culture consulting side that are so impressed with the work that I'm doing and i I only was able to do that because I developed it with you so thank you so much and you know they were like thank you so much for telling us like of course like we know you knew you we were going to go on and do big things and um that really taught me actually that being really open and talking to people about what you're doing is super helpful because you don't know how those people are going to be able to help you. Mm. um And by me really speaking from very early on, I was like, "I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to run a coaching practice. I know what I'm going to do." Even before I even like registered my company, even before I actually really knew anything about business, like I'm going to be very real. But I was talking about that. I was talking to that into existence almost, and then people that understand different elements or are interested or want to help but then the people that come forward and then that's how my business went from strength to strength really because I you have to lean on a lot of people um when you're running a business. So that was like my journey into it. And then yeah, I've just been developing the business and it's got like a few different um avenues. So I do my one to one coaching where I work with people who um I work with people who just feel a bit stuck. Um, or don't really know they don't really feel like they know what's going on and they don't really think that life is going how it should be for them Um, and then I work you know I I produce a lot of content um, so I make content that just really helps people understand psychology understands coaching just try and give people as many tools as they can to help themselves and then I have my coach, uh, my culture consulting side, where I go into businesses and I uh, consult on their business culture. So, yeah, my business has got um, three different avenues, and I'm still developing it. Um, there's still, you know, still a long way that for it to go. There's a lot of things I, I'm still wanting it to go into, mm. um, but it's definitely come, yeah, it's come a long way since uh, the day I was, which it actually started off as an Instagram page. Wow. Yes. I mean
0: it's, it's so refreshing there's so so many different parts there of like your story that I think are, are really refreshing and and great to hear like even as you say like as somebody who portrays and you know has done a psychology degree and you know the kind of ins and outs of of how yeah. minds work but even you find it you know challenging at times and oh yeah it, it crops up in ways and like I mean even for myself, like on the, my own journey, like I'm constantly trying, you know, to to delve in and look at certain triggers and, you know, work in therapy and, and try all of these different things and holistic ways to, to heal myself and, you know, uh, reoccurring, I guess, patterns of behavior that keep uh, cropping up throughout my life. But sometimes, you know, no matter how much you try, and no matter how much growth you think that you've had, it will just like, confront you in like the most abrasive way and you're like in a situation Mm. and I mean for me I mean Moody Girl started because I can be very moody leading up to my period to the point where like I will tell people to f off you know in like a really you know not good environment to do that and and especially like it would just come up and it would be like bam and it feels like all of that work that you've been doing is just like counteract and so you go through this thing like no I have been doing good but like oh my god you know it's just this cycle sometimes so I think it's refreshing and you know especially for for the audience and for myself as well to hear that you know we haven't got it figured out all the time you know Mm, we never do and
1: and I don't I honestly don't believe that you that you ever will like it's just Mm -hmm. about getting a bit of a better understanding of how you react, and working out what's best for you, which is the best way for you to react in that situation, yeah. um, and that sometimes takes people biting their lip, which takes a lot of courage to do. Sometimes <laughs> it takes a lot of work to then think about the routines that you set into place. You know, whether that's deep breath, whether that's removing yourself from the conversation, whether that's getting vulnerable in the conversation, but life always throws so much at you and I I read this quote a few years ago and I can't remember who it's by but they said that the things that you worry about day in day out are never usually the things that actually end up happening mm-hmm. it's the things that you never thought that were going to happen which are the things that actually come into your life and cause a lot of concern and I think that just shows that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week, next year. And as you grow, as you get older, as you're around different people, different things are happening in and out of your life, there are going to be experiences that happen to you that you never even thought of, or you didn't even know wasn't, was a thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just knowing that there's beauty in knowing that it's all, there's something that's always going to come up. That, that, that feeling is always temporary. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with happiness, right? Like when we feel really happy and excited and things are going really well, that's actually also temporary. Yeah. Um, As is when something isn't going very well and we're feeling really low, that's temporary as well because everything constantly changes. Mm -hmm. It's just about how you navigate when that happens. And that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of, you know, day in, day out persevering with that even in those moments when you just want to get into bed and put the, pull the duvet over you and not talk to anybody you know there's pleasure in doing that there's, there's greatness in doing that for, for some parts but then that you can't you can't live your life like that right you have to be able to you know you're, you're put on this earth you want to try and experience it and and live the best life that you can so it means that you have to put some of these routines into place but I always say that it's it's a lot harder and it takes a lot more energy being in those spaces of not having a routine and not reacting and sitting in that place than it is actually putting these routines together and then um, focusing on yourself and trying to work really hard at trying to do better, even when you're faced with a lot of adversity.
0: Yeah. I think it's the daily, the daily rituals as well. I think it's keeping that up and it's like, it is tough for sure. Like, you know, like 21 days of abundance at the moment where it's like, yeah, different challenges every night before bed and then this meditation and then remembering this mantra throughout the day. But I'm just like, my mind is like a lot. I, yeah I just don't want to do this like it's like actually rejecting it almost but then it's like mm. when you keep pushing each day it becomes a little bit easier and you do find that actually just a tiny bit each day does start to make a difference um yeah and I think yeah, that's probably okay. like with anything you know just giving yourself you know even if you feel like crap and okay you want to get under the covers um, but if maybe you just say okay tonight I'm going to do 10 minutes of breath work before I do that and like setting yourself just a small task and then maybe longer and longer and I don't know it's it's I know especially for me like if I'm in one of those moods it's like really hard to get through you know Um, yeah but it's finding I guess yeah some sort of way to get through that
1: yeah and you know routines and rituals are are great but that's only like a tiny part of like self-care and mental health like there are so many core parts to people living in a way that is it's going to help their minds be healthy and you know doing a ritual every night or routine every night that's not that isn't going to solve your mental health that isn't going to solve you creating a self-care plan Mm -hmm. you know you have to have there's there's different areas and different hierarchy of needs that every single person needs to have a little bit of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to be able to have a, to live towards that, that healthy mindset. You know, that is from everything from how many hours sleep we get, how much exercise we do, the foods that we're eating, the job that we're in, the stress that we, that we're under at that time, um, the people that we're around there's so many different things that that come into that and um, it's a juggling act of making sure that you're tapping in or sprinkling a bit of water into each one of those mm. you know just filling up all your time your water you know think of en- your your energy as as, as water and, and pouring that into just doing evening rituals and not actually doing the the other work that comes with it that isn't going to be sustainable that might Create some short-term changes. You might start to feel that you know you feel a little bit better, but that isn't going to help you long-term. Um, and long-term is the main goal because you have to try and create these routines that are sustainable.
0: Mm. Yeah, I feel like actually you describing that almost feels like you know putting a plaster on a broken arm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's very surface level and. If you're not kind of, I guess, listening to your gut feeling on certain areas of your life that aren't, you know, working for you, but you're still trying to do these rituals every day, um, you know, without addressing these things in your life, then it's not gonna your mental health isn't, you know, going to be better. So that's, I think, a really amazing point, actually. And I think the way that you illustrated that is, is mm. really digestible. And I, I hope you enjoyed that audience, because I know I did um so for me I'm this might be a really silly question but like so my dad's um New Yorker born and raised he's always been like mad keen on like go to college and like um you know get a mentor and find a coach and all this sort of stuff because Americans are like really kind of you know way ahead in terms of like self-help self-care look after yourself everything's good you got this Um, yeah and I was going to ask, is there a difference between a coach and a therapist?
1: Yeah, and that's not a silly question at all. That's a really important question because there are loads of professionals that sit under kind of an umbrella. Mm. Um, How I see therapy and, you know, in, in my training, therapy very much looks back at the past and it looks back at the things you've been through situations that have happened that have got you to where you are today and have potentially created some anxieties created some sort of depression um created some sort of heightened emotion in you um you know trickling everything down you know post-traumatic stress disorder and you know schizophrenia everything to do with that uh but any heightened emotions that you feel so you might be feeling super low have super low moods quite a lot of the time you might be super anxious. You might be feeling tr- quite triggered in situations. A therapist is fantastic for helping you really understand the complexities of that. Um, I'm not a therapist myself, so that's a very kind of baseline, uh, top level, surface level description, but it's very much like an end the past of where you now are now are to help you move forward into the future and see what that could look like into the future. Mm-hmm. With coaching, we never look into the past, we're always looking forward. So we're looking at, okay, this is how you feel at the moment. This is how you want to feel. This is where you want to get to. This is where you see yourself. How do we get you from that, from where we are now to where you want to get to? Mm -hmm. And some people don't understand maybe why they're feeling a certain way or what's come up for them. And that's okay, because that's what we do. We sit and we really digest and think about what's happening. And help them work out, okay, so maybe you're not feeling as confident. Okay, let's see and let's work on how we can boost your confidence in a sustainable way. Okay, I'm in a career and I really don't like it. How can I transition into that? Or, you know, even down to, you know, I'm I'm trying to date and I'm finding it super hard. How can I meet somebody with some substance, right? And it's about, okay, so this is where you are now. And this is where we want to get you to. And that's why coaching is, you know, if you've got a good coach is very successful because, we're always thinking about we're always thinking ahead, and as humans, we're very optimistic when we think about who we are in the future. um we want better for ourselves, we wanna we think we're gonna look better, sound better, have more money, be happier. um that's a natural part of being human. A coach is thinking okay, this is this is how you see it. this is actually how you this is how you actually get to that point
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because there's a lot of work that that goes into that.
0: Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's really cool. And like, I mean, cause I've only I've never had a coach. I've always done, I've done um, therapy with two separate therapists now. Um, and it is, it's really, it is really good. Um, but sometimes I almost feel like a little bit of like an emotional hangover because you're yeah. like revisiting a lot of stuff sometimes. And like, yeah, I'm quite like a naturally forward thinking person in terms of like, okay, what are my goals? How am I going to get there? Um, You know, without, you know, as you say, sustainably, that's like, you know, the the key word, I think, in most situations is like, how are you going to do it, where it's not detrimental to myself and, Mm. you know, people around me. Um, So yeah, that's, that's a really um, amazing description. You really summed that up for me. So thank you. Um, I wanted to go into more of your work into work culture. This is something that I'm super fascinated in. Um, 2022 was the year of the great resignation uh, in the UK. And I am just constantly thinking this is because of lockdown. People were able to strip everything back. They were able to actually see life before their job. Um, they were able to, you know, not have FOMO of their friends, what they're up to. It was just like, okay, what do I want in my life? You know? Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, lockdown's over back to it back on the grind back in the rat race, and then, you know, people were just like, no, I'm not doing this. And I feel like there's more extreme stories coming out now of people, like, selling their houses, you know, buying a van, doing it up, and, like, just living and driving around random countries and, you know, finding different ways and alternative ways to live life. And so, yeah, Yeah. I want to hear more about how you go into businesses and, like, you know, what would you describe as a toxic work culture?
1: So... I would describe uh, a workplace that has a culture that is like negative and and, and as you mentioned uh, toxic Mm -hmm. is usually a place where people feel like they can't raise concerns or where they can't speak about the things that are maybe blocking them from doing the job that they are there to do. If they're in an environment where they feel like they can't offer suggestions, they can't bring ideas to the table they can't talk about their feelings uh or what's going on in their personal lives um they feel like they can't turn up as who they are they feel like they've almost got to get to a door and you got to try and get through the day or they put on they feel like they have to put on some sort of business work persona because they feel that if they are acting authentically themselves then that's gonna be discouraged in the workforce. And, you know, that's quite like heightened toxicity. So that's where, you know, there's bullying going on. That's where uh, people aren't able to talk to their managers or leadership don't have any buy-in, you know, people being overworked, expectations are super high, uh, and it isn't comparable to the capacities of people. you know, unfair pay that also sits into can feed into a negative a negative uh, and toxic work culture and just a place that doesn't understand how important people are to the business. So, you know. I, I, you know, think think of if you think of your favorite brand in the world, um, about your, one of your favorite most successful brands in the world they're an amazing like that they're an amazing brand they've got to where they've got to because of the people that are in that company mm-hmm. and yeah there might have been one person or a group of people that thought of the idea initially but it's the people on the ground day in day out that are the ones producing the work that are the ones that are forming that company putting those ideas out getting things um producing things for that company no matter what it is and if you don't look after those people and truly believe that they are the most important asset to that company then that is where you will start to see uh businesses uh not manage very well become not become as profitable um and companies that don't believe that people are the center point are the companies that typically, will start to show more toxic like behaviors. You also have like lowercase toxicity. So you'll have, there might be some smaller, like smaller bits of toxicness that are happening. And that can be from, um, you know, having a negative manager or having a manager who micromanages you Mm. or you know you never meeting the CEO or seeing the CEO speak or the CEO never kind of communicating. That's kind of smaller case, um smaller case toxic behaviors. Uh and if there's enough of them, they can start building into that, that, that like kind of that, that capital T uh capital T toxic um that I just mentioned initially.
0: Mm. Okay. And like when you go into a, a company and yeah. I'm- where do you even start? Like, if you go into somewhere and it's just like, holy crap, like, there's so much to work on here. Like, are yeah. there like, five or like, I don't know, What like the, the pillars that you say, okay, this is, this is like, unbalanced, or I can see there's huge, you know, issues there. Like, how, how do you spot that? Do you like have to go into the company? And I guess, have like surveillance, you know, like the super nanny did back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: So I always start with the people. So I always ask the people how they're feeling. Uh. I, I'll send out a, a survey that is really in depth. You know, I've got about 30, 35 questions in the survey, which really helped me understand how people are feeling. That survey is completely anonymous. Um. I don't know who, who it's come from, Um and I analyze all of that data and then I pick out the trends and I say, okay, this is a trend that's happening here. This is the thing that's happening. And then I look at how the business is structured. So what sorts of things are happening day in, day out. I spend a lot of time in leadership. I understand the leadership roles. So I'll understand personality types. Uh, And then I'll spend, you know, depending on the size of the company, like I'm working with a company at the moment um, who... there's around 35 of them so I'm able to have a one-to-one conversation with every single person um you know when I when I'm working with larger companies at 140 then that is not as manageable Mm. um but where I can I will speak to everybody face to face and I'll get a real sense for what they're saying and then what their body language is actually saying Mm. um and it's really useful having a culture consultant, right? Because I'm a very much a part of their company. I'm an add on to them, an add on to their team. I'm there to ultimately help the business grow in profitability. Mm-hmm. But my real aim is that I believe that everybody should enjoy the work that they do, no matter what their role is. Mm-hmm. And I think that business. I don't think actually, I believe thoroughly that businesses have a responsibility. If they are forming a company that they want to hire people they have a responsibility to really look after those people and that's not just on an individual level helping that business that also then affects society because we need to be trying to grow society and if you've got a group of people that's a really really great way of you then having a ripple effect on helping society because if you're helping those people supporting those people making those people feel psychologically safe then that's going to then have a ripple effect on the people they you know uh communicate with in society whether that's their friends their family strangers right so has a huge ripple effect mm. um and businesses have a responsibility for that and also you know we, we spend so much time in work like why would you not want to go into work and be able to enjoy it you No, know, just because you've got a a company that has you know maybe a, you know I see a lot of companies who have a lot of responsibility they have a lot of you know things mm. investors they have a lot of people really relying on them for certain things so then the stress level goes up right the stakes are really high however we might as well try and enjoy that time that we're there when we're creating whatever they're creating mm. um so I work with businesses in that aspect when I'm trying to help them, but also on that personal level of let's just try and make this place as fun as it can be. And I don't expect people to hop, skip and a jump, come into work every day or when they open their laptop, but they need to know that when they're opening that laptop, that they feel psychologically safe with the company that they're working for. And then from the business side of it, you know, the, the key is to, making people feel emotionally attached to the product or service that they're selling. Mm-hmm. Um that's the T that's the two core parts of uh developing a healthy culture. Mm-hmm. Um and that is you know working with people to working with leadership, working with managers, working with the wider teams to be able to facilitate that those types of behaviors to help that. And then it's also about helping people really feel attached to that product so that they are going in there selling that product selling that service i
0: think it's i think it's really good the way that the the world and the way that the work kind of cultures are evolving and like especially with job ads now it's way more transparent in terms of like pay brackets and you know benefits package packages because quite quickly it you know you can see the red flag straight away when you know it's some of the benefits are just like standard things that should just shouldn't even be put on on as you know the, the benefits of the company. So I feel like yeah. things are like finally moving in that direction. But I mean, like I am thirty three now. I got into my first post grad job was like working for an advertising company where, you know, like it's all about working late shifts. It's like almost like who stayed later, who's worked harder, like you know, I was on, I was like an office manager. There was like five different companies within it. It was like, I literally could ask someone to like cover the desk for me while I went to the toilet and then would come back. And that that was like my life, you know? And it was, it was intense, but it was like, yeah, this, this is like what work is about. Like you work really hard, work, 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 work. And then like you get rewarded and then like you get another position and then you work, 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 work. And it's like been something throughout my life that's like, that's my introduction into work culture, you know? Um, Mm. And so that's, that's something that I find so fascinating now, like, you know more with me like say gen z where it's like actually they probably won't stand for maybe what i would have stood for for straight you know post-grad because i was just like you know and was just like this is just what it is like no one else is talking about how great their work culture is so yeah you just suck it up and you get on with it i mean i had friends who did internships for like literally next to nothing and and same as me as well I think I did like an internship for like quite a big magazine in London and you know worked my ass off and at the end they were just like yeah sorry we don't actually give references and I was just like well what's the point like I didn't know that at the yeah. beginning, You know, so it's like this whole kind of introduction to like quite a nuts um work environment and and it was because I was getting into the creative side of things and I think you know it's so, um, competitive to get into those environments. So I think like back in the day, it was just like, yeah, you can be an intern, but you do it for free and we'll just give you like lunch money, you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, like, I feel like my life's evolved quite extensively since that. Um, Mm. but, for anyone listening who is in a situation, I know you said you like work with a lot of people who, who feel particularly stuck in their life. Um, mm. So for anyone who's like, you know, finding their environment quite toxic, um, we've all got to pay the bills um, somehow. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard to see out of that situation because it's so real. Yeah. Um, mm. And for anyone who's out there listening now, if you're feeling stuck, uh, if you're in a toxic work environment, Zoe, what would be your you know, advice for those people? When it,
1: like you mentioned, it's hard, right? Because when you, especially when you have financial responsibilities and you want your career to, you know, you thought your career was going to go in a certain direction and, and it's not, it can be super disheartening. And I'd say that there's two sides of it. So it's definitely not taking it personally. There's been so many jobs that have not worked out well for me. Um, And I'm now in a position where I'm running a successful company, right? And there's lots of other stories out there like that. So not taking that toxic workplace personally to who you are, to the work that you're doing. Um, and if you're wanting to get out it's about just setting up a plan of how that's going to happen and set yourself many goals I always always encourage people to think small so think in small baby steps because us someone's saying you know I want to move on and get a new career or move into a new company that can feel like a huge job right but it's about breaking it down and thinking, okay, I want to, I want to be out of this company within two months. I don't think I can handle it in for much longer, right? Then so you're thinking, okay, I've got two months. How many hours per week can I dedicate to finding a new job? Does that mean that I take some holiday to really kickstart it? Use the holiday that I'm given, right? What can you be doing each week to move you closer to that goal? and also speaking to people around you like the the and I mentioned this at the beginning but the power of community is crazy you know if you want to be in a new space in a new work environment speak to your friends tell your friends you know I can't handle this work environment anymore I want to move somewhere new where, where do you work what's that like do you know anybody that works in recruitment do you know anybody that works in X, Y and Z Speak to people, even if you're, you know, chatting to people in the coffee shop, right? When they ask you, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, trying to find a new job at the moment. Like the power of having that conversation, you don't know who that person knows. You don't know who's standing behind you in the queue. You don't know who overheard you talking about that and bringing that into existence that you want to move. It's super hard if you want to stay in that role and you want to change the culture, like single-handedly trying to change a culture isn't going to happen. You need buy-in from every single level. It's a big old job if that's Mm -hmm. what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, raising those concerns with your manager, raising it with people that you feel really trusting of in the company, raising it with them. If you keep thinking you're hitting a brick wall, then that might be the time where you decide that actually, even though I love this company or this brand, is it worth, my mental health is it worth the stress that i feel like i'm under and we have to be really careful around being in traumatic experience having traumatic experiences because trauma and toxicness takes a long time to get over mm. and it takes a lot of work to get out of some of the habits that those companies will put on you mm. or will make you believe that you are so a toxic work environment like when you're in a toxic relationship it, it can start to make you feel that, that you're the problem and that can take a long time that can take a lot of work to start making you feel confident and and you know own your shit again so you have to think about yourself first um but yeah try and talk to people within the company if you feel like you're hitting a brick wall it's okay that this is temp just keep telling yourself it's temporary make sure you've got some, somebody to talk to outside of work that you can kind of um lean on however If you are finding that you're talking about work consistently outside of work and kind of venting a lot, then you need to start bringing that back because it's also not fair to vent a a day in day out to everybody around you. Find a channel that you can vent on your own, maybe that's journaling and then having, you know, one or two people who you really trust that you can then call and speak to. Obviously, if you've got professional help, that's amazing because they'll be able to help you in a professional way. Um, and then start setting those goals. You know, I've got a goal that I want to be out of in three months. Um, what does that look like di- week in, week out? Maybe the first two weeks is you looking at your CV. Maybe the week after that is adding lots of people on LinkedIn, networking on LinkedIn. Um, then the week after, maybe that is you then applying for lots of jobs. The week after that, you're going to leave. You're going to leave space and time for you to be interviewing. Um, and see how that process goes. Um, and also, you know, if you're able to, there's also power in, you know, in sorting out your finances at that point and thinking, you know, how much can I save over the next two to three months that if I can't find a job in that time, that it will buy me a bit more time, but I can still maybe hand my notice in. Mm. Um, so just always thinking about your get out plan.
0: I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Cytoplan, a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product. My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. I really, I really like the way that you dissect everything into small chunks. Yeah. Because I like I am definitely somebody who looks at the end goal and then freaks out. It's like, yeah, hey, the heck are we gonna get there? Do you know what I mean? And that's like with so many different way, like parts of life. Um, yeah, you know. And my husband will say to me, "I mean, let's just like take it. You know, you're thinking about everything at once here. Let's just try and like reel it back a bit." But the way that you explain that and i and i do really feel that for anyone who is listening who is in the situation where they might be in a toxic work environment that is so digestible um Mm. and so achievable when you put it like that it's like yeah first week look at the cv second week do the linkedin adding and it's like yeah of course i can do that that's easy you know
1: yeah and really break it down and think okay look realistically maybe your job is you know eight or six right Yeah, You don't want to, then then you've got, I don't know, hobbies, you've got friends, you've got partners, whatever. Um, Okay, so actually look at your diary and think, how much time do I actually realistically have? Okay, maybe I've only got two hours on a Saturday. Is that going to get me a new job, two hours a week for the next two months? Potentially, potentially not. What then can I sacrifice over the next month? And maybe I don't do that on that evening, or maybe make sure I don't go out on the Friday night or only go out one night on the weekend so that I can get up really fresh and spend four hours a week or you know maybe I could fit in two hours on a Tuesday and really think about your own schedule because what often happens is we think yeah okay I'll do one hour on a Monday one hour on a Tuesday and after the weekend I know Mondays I just want to go home either go to the gym and not talk to anybody because, uh, or go home and watch TV yeah. like so factor that in That's okay that maybe on a Monday your energy is really low. So your time probably isn't best spent looking at a job, Mm. right? Mm. You don't have to work at 100 hours, 100 miles an hour every single day. You know, pick that Tuesday where you've got a bit more energy or a Wednesday, right? A couple hours on a Saturday and then work out what you can do within those few hours and keep working like that and review it, right? So review it in three weeks time and look back and think, yeah, I've got loads done. This time's working, or you know, actually, I'm I'm nearly there. Maybe I can get my Tuesday night back, or actually, this is nowhere near enough time. What else can I do? Maybe I need to book in, you know, a a, a, a week's holiday or something next month so that I actually can just spend the whole week focusing on it.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's amazing. Honestly, thank you for sharing that. um You're welcome. So, um. So we spoke about helping others with, you know, a toxic environment. Um, what do you do for yourself? Like, do you have routines, um, you know, that you, you stick to day to day? Like when you were in that situation where you're working in events, you kind of knew that that wasn't authentically, you know, who you wanted to be, you wanted to get a bit deeper in terms of, you know, where you were at and and, and your work. Um, mm-hmm. you know, how did you... Make sure that you did that. So, did you? I know that you said you kind of looked into different studying, but, and, you know, there was a lot that went into that, of course. But in terms of like your daily, you know, routine and and making sure that you were, you know, doing that, reaching that goal essentially. Yeah. So, I only
1: really started getting into like self help and coaching and therapy and daily rituals when I actually started training up until that point my life was very much on survival mode um there was a lot of like trauma that I hadn't really I didn't really know was trauma um I was living in a way that I was almost like chasing the day like okay when when will today be over so I can get on with tomorrow and okay I've got this booked in for this weekend okay then when that's over then Monday will come around like that was very much my mindset so I didn't really have too many routines per se at that point that I can really remember. I was also super young, like mm. you know, I I was in my like early mid 20s. I started training to be a coach when um I was like 27, I think, 27, 28. So a lot of the time up until that point, which is most people, you're still trying to work out what the hell is what's happening in life. And yeah. um you know like our our prefrontal cortex which is the part that helps you make decisions that's your personality it's your memories that helps you decide and take control of your emotions that actually doesn't develop until you're 25 wow so it doesn't fully develop till you 25 um which means that up until that point, it's super hard for any brain to navigate situation. And we have to make a lot of big decisions up until you're 25. A lot of people are deciding what careers they want. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are living with family where there's certain situations that are potentially going on that they can't navigate. So where a lot of people pick their partners in that time, their first, their first relationships or second relationships, there's a lot of big decisions that go up into that point. And the fact that our brains aren't even fully developed until we're 25 means that we're actually making very irrational decisions and we're being very irrational emotionally. So I think I was just I had had trauma from when I was younger, never really was sure what I wanted to do, never really had support in terms of that. And I was just generally being a 25 year old, uh, you know, early 20s, mid 20s. It wasn't until I was doing my coaching training, and then a couple of really big things happened in my life when I was about 26 that really knocked me. Mm. And I remember feeling really shit and thinking, This is not normal that I feel this shit. And obviously, normal is, you know, a very complex word, but it's not typ- typical for me to feel this erratic. And I made it my mission that point onwards to learn as much as I could about self-care about therapy about psychology because I genuinely for myself did not want to feel ever want to feel that shit again Mm. and I didn't ever want to feel as not in control as I felt so my routines have actually really only developed over the last three and a half years uh, and they've really taken a while It, it wasn't that I found one thing and that was me set like I really had to try and try again and I'd say over the last year I've really started to nail stuff Mm. um and but I'm always developing them so that's just a bit of a backstory but my my daily routines have then developed into the gym is one of my like the core things that I do um working out whether that's you work out at home sometimes I work at home sometimes I go to a gym that has been one of the biggest things that has really really helped my mental health it's helped my mood um I notice when I don't go to the gym so I, I try and go about three or four times a week and If I don't go, then I really notice my mood dip. So that's been a huge lifestyle change for me because I used to hate the gym. I used to be like, I would never be a gym goer. I find it so boring. Um, But now it's like a huge part of my lifestyle. And so that's a huge thing. Um, I have quite a strict evening routine. So in the week, uh, on the weekends, it's very different. but in the week I very much try and like wind down for about nine, try and get into bed. I have a candlelit shower. I used to have a bath every night, but mm-hmm. the bath in my new flat isn't very comfortable. So now I have a candlelit shower.
0: That's <laughs> Again, crazy. that's me.
1: That's me like adjusting my routine. Um, and I take, a, like, I take time doing my face routine. And then I sit in bed and I read a book or I'll sit there and I'll just check in on my day. So i ask myself how I am. I'll ask myself, how I've been feeling that day if something annoyed me something's made me angry something's really happy I just ask myself some questions about that Mm. um I also do a lot of gratitude work in in that in that time so I list a few things in my head that I'm grateful for Mm. so those things have really helped and they're definitely in my daily routine and like I said it's not always perfect right like if I stay at my boyfriend's house then I don't I don't really sit there and catch up on my day, right? Because I'm spending time with him. Um, or if I'm out on the weekend or I'm having a late one and I don't come home and I don't make sure that I do all of that. But I try and do that in the week, um, which has really helped me. And I eat a lot of fruit, which has actually like really changed. Like it's I really notice a difference when i eat when I've had really healthy food one day, how I feel the next day. Mm. And if I've if I've eaten a lot of if I've ate a lot of fruit, then I feel really good. So now another one of my rituals is getting like at least one fruit pot down me a day. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're my main rituals, but then on like a wider scale, it's around, you know, I have a coach myself because I found it really useful, but I also have to because of my practice. Um, I don't have therapy anymore because I felt like I got to a point where I'd really sorted out a lot of the trauma I'd been in, but I still have her email address. I still have her number. Mm-hmm. And if I am feeling heightened emotions, then I will message her and we'll have like a, a you know an ad hoc session. Yeah. Um and keep myself fit. I am always asking myself how I'm feeling, always checking in with myself. And really importantly, I I really I'm very careful about who I like let into my space in my life. Mm. Um as an extrovert, it's very hard because I'm very used to just being like, yeah let's do this we can do this and spending like time with lots of different people and although I loved that part of me and very open I have a lot of friends really fortunately there were probably a lot of situations or friends that I'd got myself into that weren't the healthiest mm-hmm. and that's something that I've had to learn and I find really hard um because I'm very much like bring everyone, invite everybody or speak to anybody. So that's been a, a huge shift for me as well. Because I have to think, okay, let me just slowly get to know this person mm. and see, you know, not test them, but it's really understanding like, our, do our values align? Am I going to want to spend time with that person? Um, Am I going to want to absorb their energy? Mm. Um, And that means that, you know, my circles have got smaller, but it means that, you know, my my health has got uh, bigger. Um, and that's a really important thing as well, which is being really
0: careful with who you let into your intimate space anyway. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like, same, I'm, I'm still kind of unsure. Like, in certain situations, I do feel extroverted. But since COVID, I've kind of seen, like, a real introverted side of myself, which yeah. I'm really kind of, like, nurturing. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the older I get, the more it's like it is that kind of, you know, you, you, you'd you hear your parents say it like I can count my friends on one hand, you know, or and you just like, yeah, whatever, like loser sort of thing. Yeah, and then, like as you get older, you're like, oh, shit, like, actually, that is becoming my life and my the people that I want to share my most intimate feelings and, you know, see the most raw side of who I actually am. Um, Mm. you know and also I found as well this is something that I talked to one of my best friends about um, you really know the people that don't have your back when things are going well so like Mm. it's all well and good being like yeah yeah okay you know you're feeling down everyone kind of wants to like be that be that person who makes someone else feel better because it makes them feel good but it's like sometimes I find it's quite confronting when something goes right for you and you're really excited to share it with a friend and it's like the reaction can be like so crushing when it's like oh like why are you not happy for me you know and Mm. that's all like encouraging like yeah like absolutely like go out and do something creative if that's what you want to do like it might be completely like a huge pipe dream but go and do it like I'm supportive you're my best friend like absolutely yeah yeah you know yeah. and that's yeah, the, exactly. I feel like that's where I'm at now where I'm like I want to be around people that like pick you up when you're feeling creative and inspired but also like when you're down they can be there for you as well but it's yeah this kind of feeling that like oh yeah I feel like maybe they're pissed off at me because I'm doing well and then you start mm-hmm. like thinking oh am I portraying myself in a weird way or you know and yeah. so it's, it's yeah it's so multifaceted in terms of like, you know, how you grow with friends and like whether you grow together and whether your like morals are still aligned or whether you are just literally, you know, at one point they were aligned, but then now Mm. it's like, shit, we're really not the same people anymore. And that's quite confronting. Like the older you get, it's just like, Oh, okay. Right. We're, we're really not. (laughs) Yeah. And it's
1: sad. Right and I think that it's okay to be sad it's okay to miss somebody but it's also okay to actually have to move on and and the beauty of moving on is that then you have more opportunities to meet people that are of similar interest of you at that time because we always change and you know it gives you then the opportunity to meet other people and bring other people into your life and you know you know, statistically, our friends, our groups do get smaller because well, as we get older, because usually because what happens is we're in a family dynamic for so many years, typically, and then uh, a lot of our a lot of our communication is with our parents and our caregivers, and then we get to a certain age where we don't want to spend. Well, you know, we're, we're starting to understand other people's emotions and other people's behaviors, and we then want to start spending more time with them. Then we drift away from family. And we don't spend as much time with families, we have all this extra time to spend with friends. And then typically, as people get older, people start coupling up and they start forming their own friend their own families. And then they reconnect with their families again. So then there's less time for that, that friendship. And there's that that means that people who are not as close, there's not enough time, there's not enough capacity in this person's life to be keeping up with you. Um, but it's super important to keep good friends around you and also keep your mind open to meeting new people and bringing new people in your life and you know my mum's 67 and she met um, she met who's now her best friend three years ago and they're like they do everything together now wow. and they're very sweet. They're very cute together. Um and they know they've got each other's backs and they talk all the time and they see each other a couple of times a week. And my mum literally met her three years ago. So
0: I love that. There's so, yeah. so cute. And
1: that's like the and that's the beauty in it, right? You don't know what sorts of friends you're gonna have and you don't know who you're gonna meet and what they're gonna bring to your life. So there's also positives in in that totally. you know, losing some friendships.
0: Totally. And I also think like I've had it before where I've like, you know, got to a situation with friends where maybe we've grown out of each other. Maybe we're at different stages in our lives at that point. You go on, you live your life. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that friend reaches out or, oh, actually something's reminded me of that friend. Let me reach yeah. out. And then it's like, actually we're at the same, we're at the same place again. And yeah, it exactly. Can and I think, yeah, I never close the door. Like, on friends um, and I've always kind of like feel you know quite positive and I I guess like gratitude for the friendships that we once had and hopefully can continue moving forward Um, but yeah I guess it's just constantly evolving like we as people are constantly evolving and it's unrealistic to expect that you're going to be on the same page with the same group of people for the rest of your life you know Mm. everyone's situations are changing on a daily basis whether it's their family whether it's a relationship whether it's their children whether it's their job and it's gonna you know spark triggers in like either one of you in those situations so again there's no like you know right or wrong way of of dealing with those situations it's just you know I guess just just trying our best (laughs) yeah
1: yeah exactly exactly trying our best (laughs) that's it
0: yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. so I've got one more question for you, and then I've also got some questions from the audience. Um, nice. So to end on uh, from me, what would you say? What would you say real growth looks like?
1: I feel that real growth looks like you can look back at situations, or you can look at yourself in the moment, in your present self and say the and understand the things that if you think about the past the things that you could have done better and that maybe you didn't show up as well as you could do and really pick out the the toxic parts of you or the negative parts of you or where you just didn't react in a way that was a nice way to react and you can look at that, and you can also look into the the, the moment that you're you're in and think, okay, I, I've got this part. This this is going. This feels like it's nice. this feels like it's going well. I like myself in this part, but these are the elements
0: that I want to grow, and these are the elements that I know that I need to improve on. Amazing, thank you so much. Um, okay, so audience, I asked you some questions um, for you to ask Zoe. I have got four, and so I'm going to start with the first one um all anonymous um I often find myself feeling intimidated in larger groups and worried that people don't find what I'm saying very interesting. How do I change the narrative surrounding this
1: I work with a lot of people who have this feeling um and it's interesting because then I'm thinking that must, most I'd say three like, I'd say three quarters of all these large groups, people must be feeling exactly the same, which is this question. Um, I you know, There's lots of different angles to this, but what I would say is that people really like talking about the things that interest them, right? And there's a perception that we need to be super interesting, that we need to know everything to come across smart or to come across an interesting person. You don't actually need to know anything about anything. All you have to do is be able to have the to, like the ability to say to somebody who's talking about something interesting. Oh, I've I've never heard of that before. Can you tell me a bit more? That shows that will make you uh, come across as an interesting person because you are being interesting because you're asking somebody to talk about what they're talking about in a little bit more detail. So if you're ever in a space where people are talking about something that you have no idea about or have no interest in but you're in that space and you're in a social environment and you want to be included in that conversation just start asking people questions oh how did you learn about that how long have you been into that how did you get into that oh I didn't really understand what you meant when you said x y and z can you explain it uh can you explain it a little bit more that's a really good Questions you can prep before you're going into these situations, and also keeping a list of all the things that you know you bring to a table. Right, and build that list up. Keep it in notes in your phone or or wherever is easily accessible, and start writing all the things down that you really like about yourself. If you find that really hard, speak to somebody who you really trust, who you really love, you've got quite a nice um trusting relationship with, and say to them like, "I'm creating this list." of things that I like about myself, that I bring to conversations, that I bring to friendships, can you just tell me a couple of things that you think I bring, right? Add that to the list. And anytime you're about to be in this social situation, just check that list mm. and it will give you a little bit of a, a little like pop of confidence. And it will remind you of all those things that actually you are gonna bring to that conversation or you are gonna bring um to that, to that situation. And, and thirdly, I'd say, as we were talking about earlier, you know, friendships change, you know, we are forced to make friends with the people in our facilities when we're in school, when we're in college, when we're in university. We change a lot. Sometimes our interests change and that's okay. Think about what these people, you know, if you're in this a lot of the same social situations and they're talking about things that you really don't have any interest in, then what you need to do is work out what you find interesting and try and find groups of friends or people that are going to be doing those sorts of things. Right. So maybe you've got a friendship group, which I see a lot who you know their main thing is going out a lot, but actually you don't really find that interesting anymore, as interesting anymore. And you find, I don't know, netball, say, really interesting or you know, finding something that you do find interesting. Do a bit of research into yourself. Go to events that you know. Start a net, Start going to netball. Start going out to, to the people at uh, the people in netball. Start going to the pub with them after. Start them building up friendships in the interest like groups that you're in. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of the friendships that you're already in because it just means that when you fancy a night out, call them lot.
0: And mm.
1: you fancy going out on a Saturday and doing something different, you call this person who you've met through this topic. Um, So always ask people in conversations when you don't know what they're talking about, ask them questions about it, tell them you don't know, tell them you wanna know a bit more, ask them how they learn about that. Keep a list of things that you really like, write about yourself that you know that you're gonna bring to the table. And also then start looking for different places that you can find groups of friends, with
0: similar interest to you amazing thank you i actually learned loads from that myself so good (laughs) thank you for whoever answered asked that one um okay second one i'm finding no matter how many positive affirmations and meditation i do to help my confidence at certain points in the month the negative self-talk seeps back in how do i avoid this
1: you don't avoid it you never will avoid it Um, we have to keep things real Um, just to give you just to give you a a bit of an idea we have between uh, 6,000 to uh, sorry 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day Um, 85% of them are negative and uh, 13% of them are repetitive from yesterday so we developed this in our DNA to protect us because we wanted to we had to think that potentially everything we heard was, um, was was gonna be a negative thing. So, you know, way, way, way back when, when we were in tribes, we developed this, this skill almost to keep us alive. So when we heard a, I don't know, like a something in the distance, we had to think really negatively about what that could be because then that was gonna protect us. Um, we still have that many thoughts today we still have that high percentage of 85% of those thoughts being negative. And that is the sole purpose of trying to keep you alive. Mm. Now, our brains haven't developed as quickly as society has developed and environments have developed in the Western world. Um, Most of us aren't under immediate danger like we were back then. So our minds are still working and processing in this way. So we have negative thoughts because they keep us alive. Um, Positive affirmations are fantastic, but we also need to spend time on understanding what those negative thoughts are saying. We don't want to just push them down and distract ourselves. That's not healthy. That's not long-term sustainability for your mental health. Start writing down the negative thoughts that you have. Write them down and ask yourself questions about them. So whatever that negative thought is, you know, follow, I always say follow, it's like a thread. There's always a thread. There's a negative thought and then that thought is attached to it is a long thread and there's lots of different facets to that thread. There's lots of different things that are going on and usually at the bottom of that thread lies a bit of an answer. Mm -hmm. So you might have negative self-talk about the way that you look, right? Ask yourself, okay, how come I don't like the way I look? When did that start? What do I like about myself? When does this thought seem really intrusive? What's happening there? Who am I around? It's around a particular time of month, like this person has asked. Okay, what's happening around that particular time of month? What can I do to make myself feel a little bit better? Who can I involve in that? And keep asking yourself, almost self-coaching yourself, and just try and explore that negative thought a little bit more because it's just popping up because of fear. And it's just popping up because it's scared about something and all you have to do is try And it sounds really simple and I know it's very complex, but all we're trying to do is understand what those negative thoughts are trying to say. And we, it's just us in our minds, the rest of our lives, you can have partners, you can have family, you can have friends who are going to come in and out of your life. But the thing that you're always going to have is your mind. And we have to really try and make our mind a really nice place to be. We're on the same team. You have to think of your negative thoughts and your positive thoughts, but they're on the same team. You both want the same thing. You both want to live an okay life. How do we make sure we make, you know, we, we team those thoughts up? How do we give the negative thoughts a bit more confidence? How do we understand them a little bit more rather than pushing them away? it's really great giving positive thoughts a lot of limelight and you know positive affirmations but we really need to understand where those negative thoughts are coming from because as soon as you start writing them out their power goes away dramatically and that's when you can start thinking of solutions to those thoughts.
0: Wow that was beautifully answered thank you so much. Hi, welcome. Um, okay next up I want to push myself, but find I am staying in my comfort zone a lot. How do I push these boundaries?
1: Mm. So our comfort zone feels like, it feels like our comfort zone is like the small circle and then everything else is outside of that. But all you're having to do is basically grow that that comfort zone, right? You're just pushing it a little bit, little bit, day by day, week by week. And what you'll start to do is once you start challenging yourself, like we said earlier, with like the small baby steps. So this is my comfort zone at the moment. In a month's time, I want to, I don't know if we, I don't know what, you know, obviously this person is um, uh, talking about, but if it's about making new friends or, you know, being able to to talk to new people, you know, Comfort zone at the moment is going to an event and not talking to anybody and sitting on your phone. That's your comfort zone. In a month's time, what would be growth? Okay, so in a month's time, I want to be able to go to an event and not get my phone out at all. That's all you have to focus on for the next month. What does that look like over the next four weeks? How many events am I going to? How can I, in a small baby step, work up to that point? Maybe that means that you start practicing some questions that you can ask people or you just practice and get really familiar with just standing on your own and not getting your phone out right so maybe you need to just test that out a little bit maybe the first event you go to that you do you try and do that for 20 minutes and not get your phone out and then the next time the next week or the next event you go to you try and do it for an hour then you get to a point where you just don't get your phone out for the whole of the event per se, right? That's the small baby steps I'm talking about. Then you get to that end of that month point and you think, okay, where am I? What have I learned? What can I do now? Okay, then the next month, I want to have smiled at somebody and made eye contact with somebody. Okay, so how can I start over the next few events I'm going to? How can I start to build that up? What does that look like? They're the small baby steps. And then your comfort zone is gonna start getting a little bit bigger each and every time and you don't need to you know within a week go to that event and speak to 10 people and leave with 10 numbers or whatever whatever, you know um you just have to think about the next step baby little step your bigger goal is obviously to be able to talk to people at events that's okay that might be a year away but that's okay Mm -hmm. because you're going to sustainably get to that point give yourself patience and as soon as that that comfort zone is just going to start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. and um, But it's about you challenging yourself in those really
0: small, really small, easy wins. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, we've got the final question from the audience. What steps can you suggest if you want to change your career but you don't have the funds to do a course or take a pay cut?
1: I definitely say start talking to your managers and see what training opportunities are available at the current company. Obviously, it's super hard if you want to move companies, depending on what relationship you have with your boss. Some bosses, like my boss, for example, and the company I was working at were really supportive of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to test the waters with it, obviously. So test the waters, see what type of training you can get within the current company, And then go and research what training you actually need to do and how you can develop your training. So there are so many free courses that will get you started. Um, And again, start talking to as many people as you possibly can about the fact that you want to move. And, you know, you can even, telling how you know confident you feel with it, you can say to people, I really want to move, but I can't afford this course. I can't afford to take a pay cut. Speak to as many people as you can and just get as much advice that you can. Mm-hmm. um and they're also you know there are places that do give funding for some type of course and training so also like look into that um but definitely start with what you've got start with where you are speak to your managers tell them you want to progress tell them you want to tr- get do some
0: training um and see what opportunities you have at your current company Amazing thank you so much Zoe and I hope whoever those questions found those really useful I mean I found them really useful so thank you so much. Good. Um, yeah I really am super interested in coaching now and like one last question for me actually.
1: Yeah, yeah of course.
0: Do you think it's like is it like a natural kind of like progression to like figure everything out like past wise in therapy and then like go to coaching or can you do it side by side um or is is there is it kind of just like whatever is works for you I guess
1: it's whatever works for you there's never you know one size fits all mm-hmm. um as I mentioned you know you, you we, we discuss quite different things within like a third like it within a coaching setting than we do with therapy there's lots of clients that I have and I know lots of Um, my fellow coaches have clients who are doing both at the same time and that's really beneficial because you're kind of in one space and you can talk about how you're feeling and and getting yourself emotionally better and then you can also then come in. then you're moving into another space and think okay so I've got all of this information about myself now I know that I want to take it to here how can you help me and plan for me to get to that point Mm. so there's no one size fits all what I always recommend though is find some coaches you like the look of um check their credibility because you don't actually legally need to have any coaching training to be a coach but I highly advise that you speak with somebody who has done some sort of training um and just book in some some calls with them so you know a lot of coaches like myself we do free uh taster sessions Book that call in, get the vibe, speak to what that coach could potentially bring you. You can tell them what's going on for you. They can tell you how they they can support you. And then you can just take it from there. But speak to, you know, speak to a handful of coaches and, and just see which one you just fill a vibe with.
0: Amazing. Um, So what I'm going to do at the end of this, Zoe, I'll put all of your um, social handles, websites. So anyone who's listening, if you'd like to reach out to Zoe and get some coaching or find out more and have a taster session, uh, all of the handles will be in the bio of this episode. So thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been amazing speaking to you, hearing more about your story and just your way of describing I don't know just you illustrate everything so well um and for me I feel like I've learned loads and I really hope if there's anyone out there who feels like they needed this conversation I really hope it helped you today um so thank you so much Zoe.
1: Thank you so much for having me it was so lovely um and yeah you've been a great host and uh I really enjoyed uh, what we've kind of come up with and it's so interesting having these conversations because even in the moment you' you start thinking about things in different capacities so it's also super useful for me um but yeah anybody that wants to have a chat is more interested in coaching then just give my page a follow you can book um a you can book a free taster session with me um via the link on my bio um or if you just want to slide into the dm and just chat just just feel free because uh the community that we're the community we're building is just a real safe space that people can just come and just and just
0: talk up with me and talk amongst themselves about what's going on for them which is so important in society at the moment. Absolutely I couldn't agree more. Thank you so so much. Take You're care welcome. and have a wonderful Thank evening. Thank you. Bye. 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 I really hope you enjoyed today's show and hearing more about Zoe's work. After this discussion, it's helped me to realise that if you're at a point in your life where you may feel stuck and need a way to look forward, a coach can help you to create small, everyday steps to achieving your personal or business goals. I know for myself, sometimes I think about everything at once and the future can seem slightly overwhelming, but breaking it down into smaller chunks seems like a much more achievable and productive way to get things done. It's also made me realise that nobody, even coaches and health professionals, have their shit together all of the time. We're all doing our best each day and this is, quite honestly, more than enough. If you look at someone else on social media and think they look like they have the perfect life, that doesn't make yours any less worthy or great. Just trying to have a deeper relationship with our real, authentic selves and wants will help us to move in the right direction for our own futures. After speaking with Zoe, it's also clarified how damaging a toxic work environment can be for our own personal growth and mental health. Unlearning the negative ways of working from these companies can take time. And ultimately, life is short enough without sacrificing ourselves to a company that doesn't have our best interests at heart. If you relate to any of the traits that Zoe outlined for a toxic work environment and want to speak with her more on your own get-out strategy... You can contact her directly on Instagram at Zoe Mallet, which is spelled Z-O-E-M-A-L-L-E-T or www.zoemallettcoaching.com. As always, you can keep up with what I'm up to at Moody Girl Official. Until next time.